Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. Dave Glare Gokdena Fulton Shot A Pot Still Radio. It's Mission Mayo Haley. In you, Thomas Chak Matchak Don 3U Hectra Daygron Quarantine Pot Still Radio. Ton Ohis Erm Derek King Ambassador Paris Whiskey on Brehlum. So Fulton Shot A there. Hey Matt, how are you? How are you? Not too bad at all. And before we kick off with you, Derek, I do want to say a big thanks to our sponsors of the show, Irishmalts.com who have all the latest and greatest Irish whiskies, gins, and putchings delivered straight to your door. Visit irishmalts.com to view their full range. And the Bill Phil, the triple distilled peated single malt by W.D. O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit wdoconnell.com for more details. And what's your treat this week? Why not enjoy a clone 10-year-old cast-strength whiskey or a delicious flame-fed pot-stilled putching? All available online. Check out clonedistillery.com for more information. And remember, both the clone and W.D. O'Connell whiskeys are available from irishmalts.com. So, Mr. King, good evening. How are we doing? I'm delighted to have you on the podcast. Our third of the 10-episode installment of Pot-Stilled, I suppose, Quarantine Edition so thank you so much for sitting down with me. No, Matt, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to have a, have a chat and go through, go through all things powers. So we are talking over Google Hangouts today. So I am in my, my little apartment here in North Dublin. Where, where have you found yourself today? So I kind of, I, I guess I missed, um, I missed getting out of Dublin before lockdown by a few hours. So I find myself in, uh, in Ranla. So kind of uh, stranded in isolation, but getting plenty, uh, getting plenty done and trying to adjust as best I can. Are there worse places being stuck than Ranala? Yeah, literally had only moved into the place before um, all the pubs shut, etc. So I uh, couldn't couldn't get to enjoy all the all the flowers around. But anyway, we exactly, get there. Exactly, all the local amenities. Exactly. So for those out there in podcast land that don't know you, why don't you give us an introduction about kind of who you are, your background and, and what your role is with Paris Whiskey? Yeah, no problem at all. So um, I'm coming into eight months with Powers now started uh, started late last year so I was absolutely delighted to take on the job I came from uh, Slane Distillery where I was down there for a couple of years from the start of that whole project so worked pretty closely with them with Alex there was a team of five of us few of which are left a couple of people left down there at the moment but the job there was essentially to set up that uh, experience for what visitors were going to you know get greeted with at the door everything from bar menus to you know, just the visitor experience, I guess, um, as a whole. Prior to that, the only experience I had with whiskey was working in pubs at bars, late bars, etc. And I, I guess I, I got on the whiskey train at the very start when people started getting into the likes of the pot still whiskeys and the aged whiskeys, etc. So kind of uh, rose with that tide as well there. But yeah, just, um, just really, I, I suppose every day is a learning day, really. You see there's so much exciting things happening now, even with powers we're going through, probably one of the the biggest changes the brand has ever ever had so it's a real pleasure to be involved with them uh, currently i guess and so what is your role at the moment with paris i saw you the brand ambassador but what kind of territories do you cover what kind of you know responsibilities do you have within the within the brand so i'm their global brand ambassador it's it's a funny one global brand ambassador for powers is a funny one because really it's two main markets it's the irish market and it's the u.s so the, the idea obviously would be, and you know yourself, the US is where, you know, you want the, the big volumes going and you want people putting their hands on powers. 
So majority of the time, obviously currently, is Ireland. But uh, the US, when, when all this lifts, will be um, probably where I find myself 50% of my time. Oh, so kind of the two weeks of every month idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. There's, there's a bit of a change in structure with, uh, with the teams that are looking after this. And what we, um, what we plan on doing is just, I, I suppose, working with them to plan a schedule that works as to not burn candle at both ends, I guess, over there and still be able to give adequate time to the Irish market as well. So before all this kind of lockdown that we're having now due to COVID-19, had you spent much time in the US markets or were you kind of gearing up to that at this point? Believe it or not, when the whole thing kicked off, Matt, I mean, I was supposed to be spending Paddy's Day in New York. So that was I was really looking forward to that. So a couple of weeks before we decided as a company to, you know, all unnecessary travel, like most places did, we decided all that. And unfortunately, my trip was uh, was on the chopping block as well. So um, it was it was to be a good campaign, you know, a bit of time in Philly and New York. It was uh, stretching out to about maybe 12, 13 days. So look, we'll, uh, I'm sure there'll be the opportunity to reschedule again. Exactly, but sure, if you'd gone on Paddy's Day, you would have been locked in the States as well. So perhaps a silver yeah, yeah, yeah. lining in that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Anyone who knows me, a big fan of Philly, so there's a, sure there's a good few powers haunts down there. You'll find oh, yeah. In. It's, it's, I, I got to go there on the last, uh, the, the, the first and last trip that I was on, and Philadelphia just stood out for me. Like, I mean, it was... It, for me, what I found was the knowledge. I started in Seattle, made my way to New York, and then finished in Philly. The gap in the gap in even the knowledge, not not just on around the Powers brand, but around whiskey in general. Like Philadelphia, it was top of their game. Like it was absolutely amazing over there. Yeah, there's there's some good knowledge and there's some good Irish heads and good whiskey heads out there. Even yeah. in the kind of the normal kind of corner bars or neighborhood bars, you got a lot of a uh, lot of knowledge. So when you're going to these different cities like Seattle or you're going to Philadelphia, I suppose, what does the Powers Global Brand Ambassador role look like when you touch down in market? So when when we, it's funny because um, in Ireland here, it's it's very much up to yourself to go out, build the relationships, you know, find the the accounts that are going to work for you, and I suppose the the low hanging fruit as such with with the line of in the line of Powers because we all know it's everywhere. US a little bit differently. So we are, my diary would be structured from over there. So obviously not being there, not knowing the bars, that stuff all has to be planned for you. So your itinerary is fairly, um, is fairly well laid out when you get there. So it's, it's funny because the last trip th- that I was on there, I, I guess it was more of a recce trip for me to go and see exactly how it's done and how it differs to the way we do it here. So you know, you're familiar yourself with how we do our tastings, our activations. We go into the pub, we go through the expressions. And sometimes, unfortunately, depending on where you are and the audience you have, I think a lot of that kind of just goes over people's heads. And there's, there's um, in, in certain, you know, circum- certain places you'll have impact, others you won't. And the model was a bit different in the U.S. in the sense that I found everything in the U.S. that I took part in was wrapped around happy hour. So happy hour engagements, going in, chatting to people about whiskey when it was essentially five o'clock in the evening there. But um, we're, we're looking at the moment now to how we can have most impact with the likes of bar owners, bartenders, that when we walk away, they're still thinking and talking about powers. And have you found as you're going, I suppose it's early days yet, having been only on the kind of one trip to the States, are, are you finding the powers name or even, you know, when it comes to pot still or pot still blends, 
kind of household names in the US accounts or is there a bit of education pieces to be done either on the category or or on the brand itself? I, I found a little bit of both if I'm honest. I found that there's there's a big there's a big gap there educationally that, that we can, you know, inform people exactly what the difference is between some of the lovely blends that they're having and maybe moving towards or gravitating towards something quintessential like a pot still. So household I I didn't feel that it was, um, you know, it was like your your house call or whatnot in a lot of places, but in accounts and different bars and neighborhood bars that they're trying to move away from mainstream brands, that they are looking towards powers, which is great. So they're they're looking for that something a little bit differentiated, something a little bit, you know, not not of the of the big grandiose scale. They want something a little bit different, or perhaps a little bit different, you know, a little bit more elevated quality in their kind of sipping whiskies yeah exactly and and go label is you know go label is fitting the bill and and i think as well you know the the history and the heritage and the ties that are there just go you know hand in hand together you know you've got the you've got the juice you've got the story and i think that works perfectly for for the lights of the u.s market and perhaps a good segue because sitting in front of me here we do have a lovely new bottle of uh of the paris gold label so is there could you talk us through the kind of rebrands that we're seeing at the moment in, in the Paris range? Yeah, absolutely. So the bottle you have there is obviously the um, the Go label to replace the people who refer to the iconic Go label. But um, so the bottle itself, the inspiration around the shape is the silhouette of a pot still, that kind of lower neck. You've got the rippled kind of collar. And the obviously front and center is the diamond P. So... The Diamond P is one of the very first registered trademarks in Ireland, registered by the Powers. It's it's funny anyone that is lucky enough to visit the archives in Middleton and get to get in there and actually see all of the stuff that was you know salvaged down through the years. The, the Diamond P is continuous, consistent all the way through. Like I mean, everything that left the Johns Lane Distillery, be it a barrel, a ledger book, a diary, or even etched into the wooden frames up there as well, it's absolutely everywhere. Some of the old archive images, no no image really escapes getting the stamp of the diamond P. So it's it's funny and I guess anyone that's kind of unfamiliar or you know, with this new look and not overly pleased, I, I I'm happy to say that majority are, you know, pleasantly happy with what what they see. But all we're all we're doing is enlarging the diamond P in the centre of that goal label. So really and truly, all of the heritage tide is a little bit more directed towards that logo as opposed to um as opposed to the diamond so it just made sense to to go forward with that so that's the that's the inspiration with the um with the gold label so three swallow doesn't change much in color still will be draped with a diamond p as well the three swallow motif uh flanking the flanking the diamond p and the inspiration behind that is the the flight uh, of a swallow's color is uh, is blue so when when they take and they get hit with a little ray of sunshine you're going to see that little blue flash so that's where that's coming from probably i spoke yesterday on a call it was funny the probably the biggest change that people are seeing is the color of the that's kind of maroon burgundy disappearing from the john's lane so what's what this is um what john's lane is going to be beautiful bottle as well the original of course but um i'm just cracking cracking up my own john's lane here so but please continue no worries. Um, so the, the a metallic silver diamond P is going to um, 
is going to drape the John's Lane bottle. And, you know, the more you learn about the John's Lane distillery as it was going through, you know, 1790 right the way through to when it closed, the industrious ambition of the Powers family was absolutely insane. Some of the stuff that happened in there, you know, first stand and beam engine and, you know, the stories are endless. Internal phone systems, they were just kind of a measure above through all of that stuff. So that's where that's where this um, metallic silver is just a nod of the head to what was achieved inside the four walls of John's Lane. So it's that kind of industrial history that you're kind of paying homage to in that sense. Very much so, yeah. Very much so. Nail on the head, yeah. Exactly. So, so the gold label, the three swallow, and the John's Lane will be kind of are, are being reinvented in this this pot still esque shape bottle. Exactly. With the large exactly. Di- sure. large diamond label. Yeah, shorter, kind of stockier bottle. Uh, you can see a little bit more liquid as well. Kind of the labels don't don't hide what's going on. It's um, personally, I love them. I love the three of them together. You know, initially it was hard to imagine it when we saw the design mock-ups and stuff like that. But when you physically see the three bottles sitting beside each other, they're they have a bit of presence on a back bar, no doubt. So, are they going to be rolling out kind of globally at this point? So they'll just be kind of fading out stocks of of the existing bottles, and at that point, in all the markets, they'll be rolling out this new look, or is it kind of a jeweled look? Yeah, so it's um the the first of the gold label has gone to the US already. So opening in the US with gold label, and they came off the bottling line and went just before Christmas, the back end of last year. But gold label is going to be the last to roll out here, and the it was uh, St Patrick's Day was supposed to be kind of the the date for all of these major happenings to to start. So obviously with everything that's going on, little bit of a little bit of a lag. But uh, St Patrick's Day was supposed to see us with uh, three swallow and John's Lane here. But I reckon probably probably in the next couple of months we'll we'll start to see them on the shelves. Yeah. Okay. So for the people I suppose listening at home that aren't too familiar, um, and I know we have a large US audience that listen into the podcast series, they'll be familiar with the sister brands of of Redbreast and the Spot Range, and I know. Redbreast is quite famous for its kind of uh, heavy sherry influences uh, as a pot still. If we're looking to the pot still side of the family with the Three Swallow and the John's Lane, how would you describe those as a pot still influence and how would you kind of compare them to the, the sisters in the family from pot still element? I suppose if we were to, if we were to take John's Lane, as obviously age separates them both, there's, there's, quite, there's quite a gap in the age there. And John's Lane to take it as a start, I would consider very, very, um, very robust, but but also a spirit driven, spirit driven whiskey as such or alcohol forward. And and I think it comes back to the original distillate as well that's being used. You know, to taste that original distillate that's that's used for powers and to have it added it's eighty five or eighty six percent or what's it's whatever it's distilled at exactly you still get those same characteristics as you do when you sip a John's Lane. You know, you can, you could almost call out the, you could call out the spice. You can call that lovely honey sweetness and nearly that orangey marmalade palette on it. It's just, uh, it's very distinctive. Three Swallow is everything. So, I mean, when I talk about how to move from the lights of Gold Label, Three Swallow and into John's Lane, it's, it's almost covering all the gaps. You know, Gold Label, not, I wouldn't really call it, it's a nice introduction to pot still, but Three Swallow gives me everything fresh that I want from my first visit to a pot still. A lot of explosion from green fruit, 
you're still not really compromising anything in the line of the pot still spices there, really nice barley character. And what makes it very approachable is the lovely nutty undertone it gives off, that marzipan. So it's not a very daunting pot still whiskey. And as I say, real non-compromise. But I, I, I do feel, I suppose it's, it's a little bit biased because I represent powers, but I do think they're standalone. And for me, John's Lane, every day of the week, is probably the best bang for your dollar, you know, on, on um, be it buying it in an off-license or enjoying a lovely shot of it in a bar. It's, it's, it's standalone for me. Well, I know that most whiskey enthusiasts in Ireland, at least, would have John's Lane on a pedestal and have had for quite a number of years. There's a, there's a few must-haves on most people's uh, whiskey shells, and this is definitely one of them. So w- w- from kind of extrapolating from what you're saying there, you know, the Powers range is known, especially the John's Lane, for being quite spirit-forward. If you were to compare it to the sisters of like Redbreast, would you say you'd be looking on the Redbreast side to be more kind of cast driven and then this would be the kind of spirit driven element or would this, would you say the differentiation of say here to the Redbreast 12, this be the kind of more bourbon influence or spirit influence or I'm just interested internally in the family, how you guys would, I suppose, uh, separate them or differentiate them. I suppose the likes of, you mentioned Redbreast and, and uh, Redbreast, I know for me, was probably one of the first premium whiskies that you, you would have bought, you know, Redbreast 12. And to taste it, I do feel definitely like the sherry influence is pretty, you know, pretty forward and strong in Redbreast. So the makeup of John's Lane, it being 90% refill bourbon, 10% Oloroso, I think is is just enough. I think the right balance is there where it's it's unique in the sense that there's enough bourbon to give it what you want, or enough uh, sherry, I should say, to give it what I want, but um, uh, unique and kind of standalone in, in the sense that that's what I'm trying to say is we're not sacrificing much in the line of your your spice, your palate, or your finish. I think it's all very much there. But yeah, uh, yeah Redbreast, I'm, I'm not... Um, I, I would have started off drink and go label and would have been relatively new to the lights of John's Lane, I think for, for tasting them side by side, and often when we do a comparative, we taste Greenspot, we taste Redbreast, we taste John's Lane. I think all very different, but Redbreast being a little bit closer to what John's Lane is. That's fair enough. And it's one of the kind of fantastic things about Middleton Distillery is that you, they you such a, a wonderful, I suppose, flavor library of different styles of distillate within the same wheelhouse. And I don't, I don't think... Middleton really gets enough, you know, obviously Middleton being the, the, the powerhouse and, and the Irish whiskey category, but I don't think it gets quite the kudos it deserves in the sense of actually developing flavor libraries that allows you to make a spot range family and a red breast range family and a, and a powers family from the same distillery, if that makes sense. If you go to yeah. other, you know, say other uh, whiskey nations in Europe, You'd be looking at distilleries that'll have differentiated expressions, and it'll either be differentiated by age or by cask, but it'll still be the same spirit. If you age the twelve-year-old eighteen years in the same cask regiment, you just get the eighteen-year-old. Yeah. Whereas the kind of the beauty of Middleton is that being able to differentiate the the spirit styles, and I think that's definitely something that is uh, quite quite unique and quite interesting that allows the kind of the development of the different, you know, pot still ranges within the same family, which is quite cool. 
Yeah, even I guess it's even to to keep it from a from a powers perspective. All, all you got to do is look at the single casks. So we've we've got a lot of really nice single casks out there, and when you're choosing those, generally it'd probably be from four different uh, four different single casks. Uh, you know, bottles uh, bottle the same, matured the same, but all four giving off something completely different. So it's um it's incredible how much personality the cast delivers, especially in the line of choosing a single cast. So that's, that's, and that's solely keeping it within powers, obviously, but yeah, I can, I can only half imagine what's, um, what's actually going on down there. It's crazy. Exactly. So we've talked a little bit about what, what your role entails in the U S but from an Irish perspective, I suppose, what is your kind of your day to day or your kind of key mission in Ireland? Are you looking very much on trade is it consumer focused? Are you kind of in in the off licenses, or do you kind of find yourself in a myriad of all of those? So the the off license, I suppose, there's probably more to say about the on trade, especially here in Dublin with Powers. But from from an off trade point of view, it's um the big I suppose the big thing with Powers is price point. You know, you've got really good quality. We see gold label at the price it is. I know you, you see it heavily reduced in the lights of you know your big chain supermarkets or whatnot but very good value for what it is for, for such a good quality whiskey. But moving into three swallow, you know, comes down to the 40 euro price bracket. Sometimes in my opinion, very good value. And John's lane as you know, the 65, 70 mark physically, when you're in these, you know, independent off trades or, you know, you know, doing samplings and stuff, it's, it's an easy sell. All you have to do is really get that glass into hand, get them to have a taste of it, chat a little bit about price and generally people are, are fairly pleasantly surprised so so that's that that can be that can be easy the on trade i guess is where the real challenge is it's um you know shelf space is getting eaten up now you've got a lot of different people coming online vying for the same sort of uh, same sort of market but i guess the main the main goal or, or the main uh, objective for powers is is simply to change perception so to to try and change people's opinion of it being this dusty old has been brand that you know people might have with a, a pint of stout or lager as a as a chaser, but more put your hand on it and credit it for what it actually is, the quality of the liquid inside, and I know heritage of the brand as well is important. So yeah, I think if if somebody asked me in one sentence, what's what would you like to achieve? I think it's a perception change and just, you know, convince people that it, it is what it is and just invite a new audience to powers. So of this new audience you're seeing, I suppose, engaging, what kind of demographic are you seeing, I suppose, engage with the powers story these days? It's um so what we're seeing is we're seeing this kind of I guess it's between a twenty-five to thirty-five, forty year old kind of bracket. And the tastings that you do or, or the sampling evenings that you have veed and bars, it's it's very easy to pick out straight away who who the genuine interest is coming from. And Galway is probably a good example. So if you're familiar with the, the front door in Galway and um, the Doll Bar, they run really, really good whiskey tastings. So they're fireside sessions. So I did one recently down there and there was up to 50 people at this tasting. You know, very well, very well run event. Absolutely amazing. And the event finished at 9.30, but yet I didn't leave until 11.30 with the, the questions, the engagement after, you know, so, and it all came from kind of a similar demographic, this new audience to whiskey. And 
like that 35 kind of bracket which is which is great I think a lot of what uh, I suppose I am seeing from an Irish whiskey point of view and kind of a professional point of view is a lot of people around the world are including in Ireland I suppose um trading quality or quantity for quality people are buying less but spending more per purchase and and I, I think particularly whiskey in general falls very nicely into that into that that kind of ethos and i'm actually seeing personally myself a lot of friends of people i went to college with who never had an interest in whiskey suddenly i'm seeing them popping up on you know irish whiskey forums and stuff getting their first bottles of whatever pot silla might be um and, and very much in that ethos of the the less is more in sense of qu- quality point of view and I'm I'm sure that you're seeing a lot of that out in the road as well. That kind of the, you said the 35 year old demographic kind of trading up to where we are now, and you know in the in the short sense of it, like whiskey's becoming pretty cool at the moment. Um, it's very topical. Um, it's I suppose a very well ordered drink, usually mixed, I guess, in the bars when the bars are actually open. But an interesting progression from even when we were in 2015 2014 you know five or six years ago yeah it's 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 interesting the first the first kind of eye opener to that i had was at the electric picnic festival a couple of years ago where slain um had a whiskey bar so there was a couple of different offerings there was a cocktail there was you know a, a simple highball drink with ginger or whatnot but there was obviously a neat whiskey as well and the people that I saw that visited the bar just looking for a neat whiskey to sip on, like 18, 19, 20 years old, it's kind of like I certainly remember being 18 and to try and palate a neat whiskey was you were either taking a shot or you were you definitely weren't sitting in the snug of a bar sipping on it anyway, that's for sure. But yeah, I'm seeing, seeing more and more of it now. And I guess the, the book doesn't just stop with whiskey either because if we go out for... You go out for drinks, you know, to one of the hotel bars or the cocktail bars. You see that younger people are definitely 100% choosing, you know, quality over quantity. I think that's probably a reflection of a change in drinking culture as well, maybe. But it's um, if you go out of your way to find an expensive cocktail, especially in Dublin, you're definitely, you don't have to go too far. Exactly. I suppose as well, when, you know, I think it's funny. I talk to people all around the world who are amazed by the almost zero tolerance that this country has on drink driving. Yeah. Uh, people just assume that it's, a, and especially even our restrictive opening hours, people assume the pubs are always open and no one cares what you're up to. But I suppose I, even I've seen in the last number of years, the, the, I suppose the attitudes towards drinking and the, and the kind of culture of drinking change very rapidly. Um, which, unfortunately the detriment of many country pubs i'm sure yeah. Uh, yeah but it has been a very interesting and kind of almost tangible change as as people have gone by especially pubs that you would have gone into five or six years ago that had i suppose one or two bottles of whiskey on the back bar to make a hot toddy on a cold afternoon now yeah. the place is rammed with whiskey which then i saw drop off a little bit to gin got taken over by the gin for a little while though the whiskey yeah. has come surging back up again so yeah, the gin, the gin was, um, I suppose it's it's great to see, I don't know, again, probably a biased opinion, of course, as well, but to see whiskey all decorating the back bar, there's something lovely about it. I was never, never huge on the, on the gin front, but um, we, we saw it. I, I don't know where, I suppose we follow, did we follow a UK drinking trend there with the gin and tonics or whatnot? I'm not sure, but I think it's, it's, um it's really, it seems really saturated. Like, you know, you go into certain bars that have, 
that big array of gins on the back bar, I certainly wouldn't like to be going in just, you know, trying to trying to flog them another bottle of gin. I think it's it'd probably be probably be kind of difficult. I'd say a little bit. There's and there's a lot of the consumer education that goes with these categories as well, uh, especially with white spirits. You you have a very much a, a a tough slog. Not that there isn't a tough slog in in the whiskey side either, but uh, very much so. So I want to take this point to thank some of our sponsors for the show. So this episode is brought to you by Cologne, the true distillery dedicated to transparency, cast strength bottlings with integrity and without any color or filtration. Cologne Distillery, the past and future of Irish pot still. The Bill Phil triple distilled peated single malt by WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit WD O'Connell for more details. And irishmalts.com. New whiskies, old whiskies, and everything in between. Delivering to Ireland, the UK, Europe, and most US states. Visit Irish Malts to browse their full range, including all the Cologne and WD O'Connell whiskies. So, Derek, you were mentioning a little bit earlier on um, about the Paris archives, I suppose, and, and the old distillery. I suppose now that you've kind of immersed yourself in the brand for the last, I suppose, eight or so months, are there any kind of tidbits that have really stood out to you from the kind of powers history that maybe not every, I suppose, a consumer on the street would get to know about from, from an outside perspective that you'd want to share? Yeah. So there's, there's, um, look, I guess it's, it's pretty endless. The, um, the quantity and the quality of what we have for powers in the archives is absolutely amazing. And it always came true. You know, that's a mentioned measure above is what we go forward on as well. And, to see the quality and the detail of everything. So I guess within my first week, I got to go and and meet Carol Quinn, the archivist for Irish Distillers in Middleton, where you take a trip into the distiller's cottage and you, um, you're you in a beautiful room in the cottage where you walk around a table and the timeline of events, literally from the very beginning all the way through. And you never go too far away from what the family values were, but also the way they looked on the employees as well. And generally, most tastings or most talks that I do, be it uh, trainings or simple tastings, I find myself literally time and time again talking about the the pride of working for the powers. Now, other bigger companies of that time as well would have had similar pride, but we um we constantly talk about the way the workers felt to be working for the powers family. So, I mean, a couple of the a couple of the stories. There was there was one really lovely story where um. The tenement houses are the, the houses that the Powers family would have put their workers up on on Thomas Street. So they would have given so much to these people. They would have literally... So to, to take it back even a step prior, the uh, the Powers family owned an estate in Oilgate in Wexford. So this uh, estate would have been on the banks of the Slaney River. And... During uh, fishing season, obviously, the Powers family would have observed these people, you know, catching salmon in abundance and f- eating very well during fishing season or salmon season, if you like. But then when this finished, you know, there was l- little or nothing to eat. So copping to this or, you know, getting to grips with what was happening, these were the people that would have been invited to come to work during distilling season in the Johns Lane Distillery. So they needed somewhere to stay and they would have been put up in houses on, you know, Thomas Street, etc. But the quality of life that they had was absolutely exceptional. 
So Carol tells, and I remember hearing the story very at the very beginning of there being literally a list of house rules. So for the lodging house, and one of which was to return the flannel shirts or the, the night shirts that would have been worn by the workers. And it sounds like such a small, you know, such a small gesture. But by offering two sets of these, you know, clothing to the workers, it meant they could change when they came home from work. Their time off at the weekend, they could roam the streets with clean clothes and not be seen as, you know, grubby or dirty, etc., etc. And it's such a small thing. But when you read about what people thought of this gesture archive, it's absolutely exceptional the way it, uh, the way it went down. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is that's one really, really small story of Manny that brought it all the way back to the workers and how the powers treated and felt about the, about the staff. Well, it's interesting you bring up the Paris houses of Thomas Street. From myself and a kind of a familial connection, I only found out a couple of years ago, but my paternal grandfather actually grew up in one of the old Paris houses. Yeah, really? Thomas Street, yeah. I, I'm, oh, un, I'm unsure. I've never found the connection of how that ended up happening, but it was funny because it, it, I remember one day my, my father taking me to see his kind of his father's childhood home and it was right. one of the Paris houses, which was quite, quite, I suppose, funny in that sense. But my, my dad had always, I suppose, testified to the fact that he'd, he'd never really remembered the Paris connection. And I had kind of explained to him about the housing and he was saying, no, not really. I don't really even remember kind of distilling in that area or whatnot. And there was one day on the RTE uh, archives they have kind of a facebook page and they posted about john's lane distillery in the early i saw 70s. an amazing video yeah and it was funny because when i turned that on i was at my parents house and i was watching on my own he wasn't he was just in the kitchen and yeah. i turned it on and one of the first lines is you can it was like john's lane distillery fills the area of thomas street with the smell of cooking grain and my dad instantly just turned around and looked at me and he goes, what are they talking about? And I went, well, talking about the grain in John's Lane. And yeah. my dad looked at me and he was like, I remember that smell. And so I that's said, what I, come back. <laughs> and I said, I turned around to him and went, you said you don't remember anything about the Paris distillery. And he goes, I remember being in my grandmother's house. So my great grandmother's house. And he said, the smell around Thomas Street of cooking grain. And he's never he's never remembered that until he heard that line and suddenly it was just like a, fly, a childhood flashback for him, which was which was quite interesting in, in itself. Unbelievable. <laughs> but yes, I've, I've never figured out what the familial connection was to the Powers houses or if it was just a, a happenstance thing, but it was it was quite interesting little tidbit to find, especially kind of via RTE archives, all right? Yeah, it's a great video that it really, it really kind of it portrays it. There's um, there's a couple of great videos online, and uh, there's one I actually just watched this morning where the last uh, the last member of the Powers family that actually worked at John's Lane is is strolling around. They're talking about John's Lane and stuff. So there's some lovely stuff online. I guess as I, I mentioned, the archives, the stuff is absolutely endless that we have access to. So it's great. It's very well preserved too, which is makes it a wee bit easier. Clearly, the the powers. I was gonna say the powers that be, uh, the powers family, I suppose, and and the and the organization of powers clearly kept very good archives while they were, I suppose, in operation. Because even when I know powers itself, when it closed John's Lane and moved to the Middleton Distillery, you know, 
a lot of the time, you know, Paris has been open obviously since 1791. A lot of the time, those day books and, you know, files and, and archives wouldn't have been a huge, I suppose, of, of importance to keep when the industry, I suppose, was struggling a little bit. So it's it's fantastic to see that those archives do still exist. And, you know, usually you wouldn't see anything outside of industrial archives. They're not even distilling archives. They'd be just kept for the sense of it was a part of industry, so we'll keep something of it. But to have the kind of complete Paris archives is, is quite quite something. Yeah, I suppose it's um, when I any opportunity that I get, I, I like to take groups up to NCAD, obviously, which is the old John's Lane Distillery. And one of the main talking points up there is the how functional the distillery was, obviously producing what the, the quantities it did, but the aesthetics of it as well. And that even spills back to like the ledger books and the log books where they're, you know, etched in gold. You can see that there was a little bit more spent on these things. And maybe that's what we owe so much of it still in circulation to the fact that maybe they did go out of their way to, you know, put the attention to detail or maybe pay a little bit more for the likes of this stuff. So it's um, it's lovely to look at. It really is. Fairness, if I'm matching uh, day books in gold, I'm hanging on to those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose going forward, you know, what we're in the middle of quite strange and uncertain times. What, I suppose, challenges are you seeing from kind of a Paris perspective due to this kind of lockdowns and kind of global quarantines and shutting of bars for the Paris team? And I suppose... More importantly, how are you guys kind of overcoming these challenges? Well, I suppose firstly, it's it's um, in a time like this, it's it's great to see a, a company like Irish Distillers being so versatile and and so flexible as to the way we've adapted how we're delivering our trainings or being you know present online. And I guess it's it's um, it was great to see the the changeover. And the work on the hand sanitizer coming out of Middleton as well, you know, that was very, I suppose it it would make you proud to to be part of something like that. But I, I guess we, I suppose the challenges are the same for us as for everybody else. We're not the, the level of engagement out there with people that you know keep us going week in week out. It's it's um it's non-existent at the moment. The sooner we can get back out there and start meeting people again and. I mean, the face-to-face, it's where it's at, especially from a powers point of view. You know, I love physically being in front of somebody, chatting to someone and and literally talking to them that way as opposed to over teams and stuff. But it's had, it has its place as well, you know, this or, technology, or I guess. Or as we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so you're finding, I suppose, when we were, I suppose, off, off mic at the beginning, you are saying that I suppose there's a lot of something to be said as especially for interacting with teams across the across the water on these kind of online platforms as well yeah it's it, literally on on just a casual conversation phone conversation this morning with one of my mates we were talking about you know and he works for another whiskey company as well and he he's going through something similar where he's chatting to people online personally i think especially to be in such close contact with the US, I think I definitely, for one, was underutilizing the lights of Google Hangouts, Microsoft Teams, etc. But it's um, it's kind of given us a way of, and as we mentioned on that said phone conversation this morning, people, you know, jet set into the lights of London or somewhere for a meeting, you know, 
does this stuff make it kind of apparent that that's not exactly necessary? You can sit and have a perfectly good face-to-face on something like this. But uh, definitely going forward, I'll, I will definitely be using it to stay in a little bit closer contact with, with the likes of my colleagues in the States, that's for sure. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of change and kind of business and consumer habits as we come out the far end of this. One thing I wanted to kind of finish up on was the kind of step into the ready-to-drink market that Powers took kind of the mm-hmm. midway through last year with your pre-bottled old-fashioned, uh, which was a, a healthy ABV um, and in kind of presented in a, well, what is, I suppose, the new Powers bottle. Um, can you talk us through that and kind of how that kind of came to be and and how that is going forward? Is it going to be kind of a global release or an Irish and ready and global travel retail release or, or how is that looking going forwards? So I suppose the um it's it's relatively new, the the power's old fashioned, pretty, pretty new product. The details and the ins and outs, it is 38%. So as a as you called it, a, a ready to drink or a pre-bottle cocktail, really no compromise on the alcohol. And the compromises don't stop either. I think Gold Label kind of lends itself well to an old-fashioned. It's got, you know, characteristics that you want, a little bit of sweetness. And the addition of simple syrup and Angostura bitters kind of make it a rounded old-fashioned. The ritual of the serve for the Powers old-fashioned was ice pour twist, as simple as that. Ice a glass, pour 50 mil, twist of orange peel, and there you have it. It was already online when I came on and joined, so it, it had been rolled out. But it became part of my remit. Obviously, it's it's a Powers product, falls into the family. Yeah, it's look. I guess it's it has its challenges because we've we've come from Dublin being a very strong cocktail bartending scene. Now, I guess some people might see it as a little bit of a, a cop out as opposed to making an old fashioned. But the fact of the matter is, the Powers old fashioned is a consistent serve. So you're always going to get a very balanced old fashioned that won't change from one serve one to serve 10 from a bottle. It's, yeah, you're dead right as well. I mean, it was a teaser of what was to come with the new label and taking on that kind of vintage or retro look with the bottle, quite striking in color. But for me, when I get asked about it, when I take it to samplings, generally I'll open with a welcome drink. And the obvious one is the old fashioned, gets a drink in people's hands straight away and gives me a talking point. So where I'm finding it very relevant and apart from what we're going through now at the moment, I mean, everybody is a home bartender now. I see cocktails of all shapes, sizes, colors, and descriptions popping up every day on Instagram. But it's it has its place now where your cocktail is already made, takes the hassle from it. But I think if somebody was to ask me the most important part that it has to play for me and for powers, it bridges a gap in where people are trying to start their whiskey journey as such. So... I know, speaking from experience, when I went all the way back, if somebody gave me a John's Lane when I was 22 or 23 years old, you know, I definitely couldn't start there. Even moving back the way, Goal Label is quite a, you know, it it might be a couple of steps up the ladder for me. But the old fashioned is almost like a whiskey with the stabilizers on, if you like. You know, it's getting me in, it's getting me a palate for something nice and strong, giving me a good taste for whiskey. And it probably wouldn't take me long on that old-fashioned to move into the lights of a nice a nice blended whiskey and take it on from there yeah exactly no well i i appreciate i suppose your breakdown of that because it's it's interesting to see whether or not that was kind of going to continue as a part of the paris range 
Uh, is it in international markets at the moment? It's not, not at the moment. No, not at the moment. Um, you can you can get it uh, like most of the off licenses will carry it here. You'll see it in a lot of the bars. The bars that have it, I think, is instantly it gives this pint and whiskey pub a cocktail option. So you know, if somebody comes in and is looking for a cocktail, you're not exactly saying no, we don't do cocktails because you you have an option there. Stress-free, you don't need your shaker, you don't need to, you know, spend loads of time making the drink, it's just a pour. But uh, most of those bars will will carry it, and the airport as well. So anyone traveling in and out, they can grab it at the at the loop. free Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with that. I actually no. picked up a bottle of that on the way to the States the last time, so it was nice nice to drop in some friends with a the, with the pre-made... Uh, uh, old-fashioned yeah. hand. You don't have to give it much thought either. Sometimes we just feel like drinking something that's a little bit easier and, you know, as I say, you don't have to put much of a thought process around. Exactly. So we're kind of coming to a bit of a natural end here. Um, so if people want to find you or I suppose the the powers, I suppose social media teams or web teams online, where should they be looking? Yes, yeah, sir. From my own um, Instagram handle is at Derek underscore Powers Whiskey. We uh, operate the main page through at Powers Whiskey. Uh, anyone in the north, Powers Whiskey in I, and the US, of course, at Powers Whiskey US. So all fairly, fairly straightforward. But uh, at Derek underscore Powers Whiskey, there's lots of drinks ideas going up there. Especially now in my own kitchen, I'm becoming a bit of a scientist as well there. So a few concoctions going up every day. And will you have any kind of uh, Instagram live or I know you had some with the US team recently as well. Uh, Kind of more of those engagements coming down the line? Yeah, so that's what we're working on at the moment. It's probably a a diary of of social content, if you like. So I'm I'm looking at maybe, you know, getting some of our people involved that, you know, the likes of people maybe in the US that might give us a spin on drinking culture there. So working on that at the moment, but there's some exciting things coming not just from a powers perspective, from from the other brands as well, from the lights of the Middletons, the Red Breast, and our uh, our gins and vodkas as well. So keep keep an eye on. There's one more page I'll just mention: ABC underscore IDL, and that's where most of our uh, most of our content will be will be aired. And that in the UK, ABC is Authentic Brand Company, but I think it's something different in Ireland, is it? Affinity. Yeah, I knew. I Affinity was brand company. So yeah. we're we're putting we're putting most of our stuff up there. So there's some uh, this this kind of a mix. There's some relatively serious whiskey talk, and there's a bit of humor coming from one of the ambassadors as well. So keep keep an eye on that one. That'll be should be entertaining over the next couple of weeks. Okay, there's one to watch. So I suppose for me, I want to say a big thanks to our sponsors with Cologne Distillery, uh, W D O'Connell Whiskey, and their Bill Phil Peter Single Malt, and of course irishmalts.com and if you want to find me online you've got uh, potstilled.com on twitter and instagram uh, at potstilled underscore and on facebook facebook.com forward slash potstilled and of course if you're listening on any of your favorite podcast devices a like rating share comments all help us jump up the podcast rankings to help your friends across the world and the whiskey lovers across the world find out about the great word of Irish whiskey. So, Derek, I say this is a great moment to say Garmina Maga, and uh, thank you. Matt, thanks very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers.